0: Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast, a top rated weekly podcast providing support for the struggles, celebrating the successes and sharing the personal and professional development stories of women of color. It's inspiring and insightful conversations with sheroes who want to share their experiences to help other women's outcomes. Hosted by me, media veteran and content creator, Lonnie Swain. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere thank you so much for listening i love and appreciate your feedback so don't forget to rate review subscribe and share now let's get into the show On today's episode, we are talking about slaying the strong Black woman. And to join me to discuss this topic is Dr. Akila Reynolds. She resides in Los Angeles, where she is a licensed clinical psychologist. She is passionate about helping people transform their lives by promoting psychological health and wellness. Dr. Akila sees her role as mental health educator, consultant, and advocate, helping modern women and parents prioritize self-care, self-expression, and social support. Her work includes a private psychology practice, research on the strong Black woman, and mental health, parent education and coaching, and wellness workshops and retreats. Dr. Akila is committed to supporting contemporary women and parents achieve balance, emotional wellness, and live the life of their dreams. Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast, Dr. Akila. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and talk with you about this topic. I'm so happy that you brought it up to discuss in this episode because it's one that I think we don't discuss enough. How would you describe
1: the strong Black woman and what that stereotype is so I see it as both like a stereotype and then also kind of an identity that a lot of us black women have grown to kind of take on in our regular everyday lives And so basically being a strong black woman for me is this idea that you have to be strong to survive and so um, black women who really identify with this often have this sort of emotional strength and fortitude that like anything that comes your way you can handle it no matter what mm-hmm. um, A part of that is, is though, like you're dealing with things all by yourself and you're often taking care of other people all by yourself as well. So you kind of aren't really getting a lot of social support. You're just expected to take any and everything on for yourself and for your family and for your community without always getting the necessary support and without often attending to your own mental health and your own wellness and sense of self. Mm -hmm.
0: What I also see from the strong black woman is that being vulnerable or being soft or being um, emotional or showing any signs of frustration or sadness or overwhelm are considered to be weak and that Mm -hmm. we cannot, it is not safe or okay for us to express frustration or that we are overwhelmed because we are supposed to be a quote-unquote strong black woman and Mm -hmm. that's not okay to show really any form of emotion other than strength. It's a hard pill to swallow and it's a a hard facade to keep up realistically.
1: You know what? I'm glad that you said that and I know I told you at the beginning I don't really spill out research but um, Mm -hmm. a part of what I do is research and clinical work but Um, what you're talking about really reminds me of this idea called like self silencing. So not being able to share how you feel emotionally and having to kind of like put all of that down because you have to keep on this facade that you have it all together and you can't be vulnerable. You can't show emotions like sadness or stress or anxiety when you actually might be feeling that.
0: Yes, exactly. And so just based on maybe some of the research that you've done and from what you have seen in your practice, what are some of the consequences
1: of that self silencing? So some of the consequences that I've seen, emotional distress, like mental health issues, depression, um, having high rates of depression, anxiety, even sort of um, disordered eating. So what I have seen in terms of um, my professional life and in the research and some of the research I've done is that black women who highly or strongly identify with the strong black woman are oftentimes um, have higher rates of depression, anxiety, um, disorder, type of eating, like so, sort of eating for emotional sake. Mm
0: mm-hmm. And would you think, because just in having this conversation and, and, everything that we're talking about, do you think that these strong black women are recognizing that they are depressed?
1: I think depression might actually look different for different people in particular for black women. So I don't think that strong black women often recognize that they're actually feeling depressed or that they are depressed. Um, because right. it may look different. Or, or, and honestly, because no one gives them an opportunity to and they may not often feel like they can emote how, or share how they feel hmm. Yeah, so no, or at, or at least not acknowledging that they feel that even though they may know internally. So what I might see is that like, people will have it all together on the outside, and like, will be able to kill it at work and take care of their families and all this other stuff. But like in the privacy of their home, that's mm-hmm. when they're really taking the hit. So when they're at home, they might be crying. Like to themselves, right. they may feel um, just overwhelmed and overburdened. They may be, they, it may come out as angry. It may come out in all these different forms, but the people may not recognize it as actually depression.
0: So if someone is listening and they're hearing this for the first time, the idea of the strong black woman, the idea that the self silencing and things like that, and they're identifying with, oh, yeah, well, I do feel stressed. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't talk to anyone about it. What are some other ways that they can identify maybe that they have been living out
1: this identity as a strong black woman when they feel like they have no one like to go to when they feel super um, or if if you might be listening, you feel like super overwhelmed and um, you feel like you can't actually share it or you have a tough time sharing it or when people might kind of suggest that you might have something going on, you kind of push back on it. You can't really bear the thought of even discussing depression, anxiety, or this idea of strength might actually be something that's hurting you. Um, I think that's when you might consider that this might be something that you might need to do something about outside of just being strong and taking it.
0: And and where do you think this idea of the strong black woman came from? Do you think that black mm-hmm. women created this identity or that it was put
1: upon yeah. us? I think it was put upon us. I feel like um, and, I, and I think this is what a lot of people would say like in terms of literature and stuff like that um, is that this is a stereotype that has its roots all the way back to slavery. So sometimes people are like, why are we talking about slavery here? Like it's the 21st century at this point, like slavery has been over um, for over 100 years or whatever. So why are we still talking about it? But I think the issue is that black people and black women in particular are still feeling the effects of slavery. Um, There's stuff coming out now that um, you can pass down emotional like trauma and experiences through your genes for like, I think I just saw in some article online, like for 14 generations or something to that effect. So if that is passed down just like biologically in your genes or in your genetic makeup, you also have to think about like socialization. So that's another part of how we are raised um, mm-hmm. by our parents and by our grandparents. And we're raised in a particular way that we may not understand it, but it just impacts us. So the reason why I say though, it's put upon us and not necessarily something that we created. In order to enslave like a whole group of people, and in order to treat black women kind of differently in slavery than you might treat a white woman, you have to render that particular person different. Mm. And so for people to be able to say that black women are naturally strong, or black people are naturally strong, particularly black women, when back in those times, like women in in general were thought to be protected. But if black women are excluded from that group of women, then you have to say that they're different. So by saying they're different. saying that they're strong and that they have this immense emotional and physical ability to take on whatever, that's a way to justify their mistreatment and their abuse. This is like one of those kind of stereotypes that um, has its roots back in slavery, but also over time, just the way in which Black people and Black women have been treated historically, at least in the United States of America black women have been an oppressed group and so if you're going through history and going through time like treating them as having this inordinate amount of strength means that you can continue to abuse them now i think what black women have done over time is that we've kind of taken it and um, we've made it into our own and if we think about the other kind of stereotypes like i'm not sure if you heard about jezebel or sapphire stereotype no what is that okay so these are also stereotypes that have their roots kind of, um, you know, in, in slavery. And so Jezebel is this stereotype of black women kind of being very promiscuous and like sexually, um, just kind of out there. And there's another stereotype called the Jezebel, which is kind of akin or maybe the earlier type of stereotype, the angry black woman. So seeing black women as kind of emasculating, very angry, very dominating. Um, Wait, so I comparing- Jezebel mm-hmm. for both of them is the more angry.
0: fire. That's okay.
1: Yes you're right you're it, there's the more angry one is sapphire and it has its roots um and like this radio personality sapphire i think it was a show amos and andy or something like that don't quote me on that part but basically oh, okay uh, but basically it's this idea of like black women can be are, are hyper the jezebel black women are very angry, a.k.a. the angry Black woman or Sapphire, or or Black women um, are the strong Black woman, or superwoman, or that that kind of thing. And so I think for Black women, if you're looking at all those different stereotypes, Black women have taken the strong Black woman as something that we've seen as like a, a badge of honor. We kind of recreated it into something that we can be proud of, and also something that we can use. So it's not all bad, because we've been able to call upon our strength to be able to get through a lot of instances of oppression and abuse over time, I think the problem comes that its roots kind of justify our abuse and our oppression.
0: Mm-hmm. And I am familiar with the over-sexualized Black woman and also mm-hmm. the free Black woman, but I didn't know that they had specific names or characters that were associated with those descriptors. So yes, mm-hmm. I am familiar with that. And yeah, I totally agree and can see where some of that has been taken on by myself and just, you know, kind of what you discussed that it's passed on from generation from generation, that when you see those attributes demonstrated by the women around you, it's not that anyone has said Okay, you are a strong Black woman. You have to do A, B, C, or D. You just naturally Uh start acting in this way of taking on a lot of things, taking on certain responsibilities as caretaker for other people. And I think, you know, this is something that I criticize my mother about all the time, that she's harder on women than she is on men as far as her Uh. expectations. You know, like saying, oh, she should have done this. She should have done that. Okay, well, what about your son? Or what about, you know, the, the husband? Or what is this? And that I think that that goes into the strong Black woman identity because we expect more from each other as Black women that mm-hmm. we are supposed to have it all together. We are supposed to be the ones kind of taking care of the household or making sure nothing falls through the cracks, even if that requires picking up behind or picking up the slack of another grown adult. You know? Yes. <laughs> and and that part I reject,
1: <laughs> for sure. I'm glad. I mean, no.
0: I'm glad you do. Yeah. I reject yes. it too. <laughs> And so, how do we slay, in
1: your words, slay the strong black woman? So, for me, slaying the strong black woman is about redefining what strength means for black women. Um, it's about taking this thing um, that we find so much pride in, and we are able to, you know, build. Kind of be more resilient because of our use of it, but turning it up, it's on its back and saying, listen, like the things that you talked about in terms of not holding other people accountable, particularly other grown people accountable and mm-hmm. taking on everything without being you thank you for calling that out (laughs) yes because i think like in in sort of like um heterosexual interpersonal actually not just not just in uh, romantic relationships but just in family dynamics i think you're you're right like oftentimes i will see at least in my personal experience that sometimes oftentimes we hold black women to this higher standard and it really like to be honest with you it sucks and i hate seeing it um even Michelle Obama had to comment. Um, I
0: don't remember what exactly the interview was, but saying where we coddle our
1: sons and raise our daughters and raise our daughters. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember hearing that. So if I if I jump back a little bit, that was kind of um, the experiences that I have seen where I feel like Black women have gotten the short end of the stick, but also but have been required to to hand to take on the burden. Mm -hmm. Um, of families and communities is something that, like, weighed heavily on me because I saw it in my family and in my community. And it was Mm -hmm. just really hard for me personally to think, like, this is what I'm supposed to do now. Like, that's not going to work for me. Like, I don't know when you had that realization for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, like, over time, as I was recreating romantic relationships, um, using that same roadmap, Mm -hmm. and I started to feel, like, Burdened and heavy, yeah. and like stress, and I'm like, what's going on? Like I'm not doing something right, and I'm realizing, like, no, the strong black woman that I have been raised to be, that doesn't work for me. So right. I went through this period of time where I had to slay that. I had to slay. I had to get rid of. I had to stop. I had to just x out what I had known my entire life about what it meant to be strong, and really for me. Being a Black woman was synonymous with being a strong Black woman. I couldn't separate the two.
0: Yeah. Recognizing the strong Black woman dynamic definitely came up in romantic relationships Mm. and feeling Mm -hmm. like, you know, number one, if I'm slaying it and doing all of this stuff in my career and in my personal life and, and meeting these goals for myself in a relationship, I don't want to take on the lion's share of the work, too. Yeah. And to recognize then, in in coming to that realization for me, then looking around me and seeing that dynamic play out in most of the relationships that I that I knew mm. of. And uh-huh. saying, like, this can't be life. Like, no, I'm not yeah. doing this. No, uh-, uh-uh, I refuse if I have to be by myself because it's like, If I have to do all of this and put my big girl panties on in the workplace and in all of these other areas of my life, where can I go to be vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Where can I go to let my hair down? Where can I go to have someone that is capable of taking care of me
1: sometimes? Yeah. So I I feel you. I used, like when you're speaking, I'm like, yes, like I had like this, the same type of feelings and like, this is not right. Cause I've always been like a very ambitious woman. And so like, I've always had these ideas about my goals and my aspirations. And I think that's a part of kind of the way I was raised and my idea of what a strong black woman was. Yeah. But I also had these, you know, desires for a particular type of um, personal life, which included yeah. a romantic partner who, who I could be vulnerable with. Because I think even as a young person, I recognized that like there were there were all these feelings and emotions that I was keeping inside of me and I didn't know what to do with them. But I knew that like not saying anything was hurting me. Hmm. Yeah. So when when you ask me like what it means like slaying the strong black woman, it's a double meaning. Slay means like get rid of stop redefine basically the old ways of being a strong black woman and then you know I think as black women we slay everything like we, we we're we great at a lot of different things I think we're yeah. boss women the way to kind of play this is by redefining it saying that no the ways that we were raised maybe that works for our mothers and our grandmothers maybe that was a different circumstance and a different time but now at this point in my life I have the responsibility for myself um, to be well, to be emotionally well, to be mentally well and sane. And in order to do that, I need to prioritize self-care. I need to prioritize my own self-expression, and I need to prioritize social support. And so for me, slaying the strong Black woman is getting rid of those old ways that were no longer serving me and redefining strength in a way that actually does serve me and helps me to thrive and not just survive.
0: If you could give some tips or examples of ways that people could incorporate self-care, self-expression, social support in order to help slay and redefine that.
1: I think self-care is super important. Something called mindfulness is, uh, in psychology, it's about being present in the moment on purpose. Um, so it's a way of slowing down everything because sometimes when we're stressed or overwhelmed, all these things are popping on in our mind. We have all these things to balance: work, our families, our friends, our side hustle, you know, our business. Yeah. Um, so mindfulness allows us to kind of do our everyday life, but to take a moment to really appreciate that and to just sit with it. So basically, mindfulness is really about just using your five senses: so your sense of touch, taste, smell, hearing. And eyesight. And so if you're feeling really overwhelmed, you could just take a moment and say, what are five things that I can see? What are four things that I can hear? What are three things that I can touch? What are two things that I can smell? What are one thing that I can, um, that I can taste? And by doing that, whatever it was that's on your mind, you have to focus in using your five senses. So it, it keeps you from letting your mind just kind of go all over the place and really focus in on the present moment and give your chance an opportunity, give yourself an opportunity, um, to slow down. Mm-hmm. I think for me the number one thing for self-care is being still mm-hmm. um, that's really hard for me as a really busy woman and someone I think who's caught us in this society that we live in where you always have to be on the go and you always have to be on the grind. I think the grind culture can be kind of detrimental for people and for black women in particular so by being still, it's like, no, like me sitting down on the couch for 10 minutes or an hour of my day, like I might actually need that time to regroup and there's nothing wrong with it. So those are like just sort of small ways that we can be engaged in self-care. But there are other things like financial wellness. I think that's a part of self-care, like balancing your budget, doing those kind of things to make sure that you're financially stable or well or attending to that. Those are ways that you can engage in self-care because that's kind of stuff that impacts your mental health. We don't always talk about it in the mental health field, but that's a big part of it. Other things you can do um, in terms of social support, I feel like it's not necessarily about how wide your social network is, but I think it's more about how deep it is, meaning do you have people in your life that you can go to that you can um, get support from, whether that be your husband, your wife, um, your best friend, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, whoever it is, just like building a network of people that you feel like you can trust and that you can be vulnerable with. I think that's super important for slaying the strong black woman.
0: I think that that is the biggest difficulty that the quote unquote strong black woman has is being vulnerable with people. Even if they yep. have a husband or a wife or a mother or whomever that may be receptive to their vulnerability, it's the piece of establishing that that's a safe place or feeling comfortable Mm -hmm. to know I can take my cape off with you and I don't have Mm -hmm. to hang it all together. And so maybe if you have any tips on how to identify or how to start, yeah, like how to start that process of allowing yourself to not be strong in every moment or to know that vulnerability is strength.
1: So for me as a, black woman who, who's kind of gone through this process over a couple of years now, and given my background as a psychologist, I think it's really important for those of us who have kind of, who do see strength as vulnerability, to share that and to be vulnerable with people and to be vulnerable with other black women who, who may sort of be at the beginning stages of that. Um, mm-hmm. So the way that I do it in my life is I try to express myself and I try to be vulnerable with other black women and I try to give them a space and like permission. Cause I think sometimes black women are like looking for permission to put down their cape. And I also think creating safe spaces. So what I'm doing right now is I have something called the SBW Wellness Collaborative and basically providing spaces online and also within the communities, workshops and retreats with, all, with just all Black women, whether it's, you know, 20-year-olds to 30, 40-year-olds, all the way up to 60-year-olds recently had a retreat in LA a couple of months ago. And it was all about the strong Black woman and really getting Black women in a room to talk about this. I think sometimes it may start with other Black women and and being able to say, like, it's okay for you to put down this cape right now. The truth is, there might be times when we go out in this world where we have to be strong and we can't always be vulnerable with every person in order to protect ourselves. But the truth is also that we can't do that all the time. And we don't always need to do that. And we particularly do not need to do that with people who are safe. So it's about identifying those safe people. I think therapy, honestly... That's one of the best ways that I think that people can potentially do that because you can be with someone who is trained to deal with your emotions. And also this space is just for you. It's not going to be an easy thing. It's, it's kind of like making a decision that I'm going to try to be vulnerable, even if it's just like one small thing, one time. I think those things build on each other. And maybe if I were someone, I would pick one person in your life that you think if you're a black woman out there and you're like, you you want to kind of test out being vulnerable, think about your life and think about maybe if there's just one person in your life that you think might be receptive to it, just might potentially reach out to them and just try it out or just say, you know what? I got a lot going on. I don't know what to say, but I feel like I need help. Start mm-hmm. there. I love- Can I ask you like what you have tried or what you found to be helpful or if you, you know, had this experience personally or with other people in your life? Yes, absolutely. Um so I'm a person
0: that has recently started to just um not so much step but jump head first into vulnerability. Um, okay. I have always been a person according to like my mother, I would overshare and she would have to tell okay. me like everybody is not your friend, you know, but I just kind of innocently, naively Uh would go into things and I meet somebody one time. And if I'm in the moment or feeling, you know, a good vibe, I might share stuff with them. And not that it's overly intimate stuff, but just, you know, things that let you know that I'm comfortable or whatever. That's just, I like to connect with people in certain ways. Uh And so, Uh Um, When I say stepping more into uh, or jumping more into the vulnerability piece, for me, that means now sharing more intimate things. And I Uh feel like what I tell people is that's my testing ground. If I share Uh something vulnerable with you and you abuse that or don't, respected or you are turned off by it, that's just a quicker way to help me identify that you're not part of my tribe. And for me, Mm -hmm. I don't feel anything, you know, like there was any real loss in that sense, because what I told you was my truth. And whether you appreciate it or don't, it's still my truth and you know it is what it is and there's a quote i don't know if it was like audrey lord who says and i'm of badly paraphrasing but it's kind of like <laughs> no people people can't use against you what you tell you know what you own yeah like, you mm-hmm. know like if you own it this is this This is who I am. No one can use that against you because you own that. You know who you are and whatever your flaws or weaknesses, perceived weaknesses are, vulnerabilities. So if I'm owning it and I'm telling you something and you try to use that against me, I already know that about myself and I own and accept it. So you can't hurt me with that. So Mm. that's, that's my personal um, way that I have done that. And to be honest, 99.9% of the time, anytime that I have met someone with vulnerability, it has been well received and reciprocated Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And so I think that that has also given me more courage and confidence to continue to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that. I think just testing out vulnerability in small ways, I think is really important and, and figuring out who in your life you might be able to do that with hmm so you know, it's funny that you said like you were like, kind of naturally shared a little bit when you were younger. I was like the opposite so I actually didn't share much of anything when I was growing up and even to this day like I, I'm able to better share now, but mm-hmm. honestly I'm, a, I'm still a very private person and I still um, I still struggle honestly with being vulnerable and figuring out who to be vulnerable with yeah. um, but you know for me it was, Way back, long a long time ago, I was starting to recognize that like my lack of sharing and my lack of vulnerability was hurting me. And so it started off, honestly, for me with just kind of like setting an intention to be vulnerable. And honestly, I would pray to God, like, can you please send me somebody? I don't know, you know, for people who are spiritual in that kind of way, I would pray like, please, I, I just send me someone that I can share, that I could, you know, a sister or like a soul sister or a best friend that I can actually tell everything I'm feeling to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was about me setting the intention that like, I'm going to do this. And when I did kind of, and I think it helped that I ended up pursuing psychology because then it was like kind of a natural um, place where people are going to have to be vulnerable, but that was not easy. It was actually extremely hard to have to share myself with people over time. But I ended up did, I did find like one of my best friends um, when I moved to New York and I was uh, first going to school there. And I learned from her because she was extremely vulnerable and she shared so much. And it kind of like showed me that like it's okay to share particularly with certain people that you can trust. And over time, I've been able over the years to find other friends that I feel extremely close to and that I can trust and I can kind of do life with and be vulnerable with. That's kind of like my story in terms of how I share vulnerability. But just for Black women out there to know that like it's going to look different for everyone like so for me I'm, I'm still not vulnerable with everyone but that's okay for me because I'm a private person and I get support from the people that I need to get support from um, but for other people that might look different
0: yeah and definitely for me therapy is a big thing I totally believe in, advocate for, and support going to therapy, finding a therapist, that you can Uh go there and totally let it all hang out. And there's, of course, different levels of vulnerability. It doesn't mean that Uh you're telling every single person every single thing. You may reserve some stuff for the therapist, or you reserve Uh your deepest, darkest corners for your personal journal that you just keep to yourself. Uh whatever, but just figuring out a way to kind of get the emotions and the things that you have bottled up or the things that are keeping you up at night, get them out so that they're weighing heavily on your shoulders. Um, I think that that's the biggest thing and figuring out what works for you. And as you were talking and just thinking about it, I think that the vulnerability has to start with yourself because I think that so many of us are just Living a lie even to ourselves because we don't acknowledge what we truly are feeling or we don't take the time to sit down and be still and actually feel the feelings because we're so busy doing and distracting and numbing and doing all these other things that don't allow us to fully process how it is we feel and and what triggered us or what's bringing about the stress or whatever and take a real assessment and evaluation of our lives and what things are weighing us down. And so it starts with that vulnerability with yourself. And then I think, you know, once you're able to truly be vulnerable and honest with yourself and sit with your own vulnerability and uncomfortableness, then Mm -hmm. go about, you know, sharing it with someone else and figuring out healthy ways to process it. Yeah, I love
1: that. I think that's so true.
0: I love this conversation. On that note, I want to get into my last five questions, which I think the first All one right. is a great one for you per our our last few minutes of conversation.
1: What is your favorite act of self-care? Oh yeah, I love walking. Whether it's taking a hike, I live in Los Angeles, so taking a hike or just walking around the block. You get to process a lot during a walk. I process So much, I'm always in my mind. (laughs) So yeah, walking does that for me. And I do like mindful walking sometimes. So that's where I'm like really focusing on like, I kind of notice so much more about my surroundings and where I live when I'm walking that I don't notice when I'm just driving to work and go to the store every day. Yeah. What's something you wish you were better at? Mm, That's a good one. I would say singing, but I guess that's kind of a fluke. I'm never going to be a good singer. <laughs> never know. <never>, honestly, ever. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, honestly, I think I was. I I wish I was better at putting myself out there, like right away. So I, I think I mentioned that I'm kind of private, and it takes a lot for me to be vulnerable, and I probably have like social anxiety. So I think for me personally, I wish I was just better at um, you know. Getting out there in this world, showing my full self, like just right away and not having to go through all the steps I go through to like be able to do that. What is your definition of success? I think being really proud of the life that you live, um, feeling at peace um, and having like a sense of joy with you, you despite and contentment really um, with what you, where you're at in life and, and who you're surrounded by. What's a quote or piece of advice that you live by? So related to um the strong black woman and i think generally for people who maybe struggle um with trauma or just like psychological health and well-being there's this quote and i, I want to credit the quote to someone named ebony davis she's like someone on the social media or the internet although i'm not completely sure if this is her quote but i believe it is she said the tools you created to survive won't serve you when it's time to thrive mm, um i've seen and so for me have you seen it? Uh-huh, but I don't know who to credit it to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's who I saw it from. So I credit her, but I don't know if it's someone else. But for me, I think it's really relevant to the idea of the strong black woman being that, uh, you know, as black women, we may have created these tools um, to help ourselves survive in this current state that we live in in the United States of America. Um, but kind of those things that we may be used to survive, we may not need them any longer at least in the way that we've been using them. And now I think slaying the strong black woman and doing or being a strong black woman in a particularly different way that's inclusive of self-care. I think that's how we can thrive. And
0: the last question, what do you want to be remembered for?
1: Oh, <laughs> I love these questions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I want to be remembered um, for someone who is not necessarily without fear, but who didn't let her fears keep her from all of her dreams and all of the things that she kind of wanted for her life. I love that.
0: Well, thank you, Doctor Akila. This was wonderful. If someone wants to get in touch with you, if someone wants to join the Strong Black Woman Group
1: and and attend some wellness workshops, how do they get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me or the Strong Black Woman Group via Instagram. So my personal Instagram is Doctor Akila. That's D R dot. A-K-I-L-A-H um, and if you want to get connected to SBW which is a online community of women that we're creating on Instagram and also in local areas to support Black women in redefining straight for themselves you can also follow us on Instagram that's SBW
0: hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast please visit my website lonnieswain.com where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter check out companion blog posts show notes and lots of other cool stuff this podcast is available on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Play Music Buzzsprout CastBox Anchor Stitcher SoundCloud and my website I love and appreciate all of your feedback so don't forget to rate review subscribe and share it with at least three people who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from the information Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.